Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. We are previewing Texas versus Louisiana Lafayette, the Ragin' Cajuns. And joining us now to do it, the man who's been on the beat. Well, he's he's doing it all, really. He's a, he's a multi-talented threat. Uh, you hear him on the radio in the mornings uh, as the host of RP3 and Company on 103.7 the game in Lafayette. He's also the beat writer covering the Raging Cajuns for the Daily Iberian. He is Raymond Parch. Raymond, how you doing? I'm doing great, brother. I'm doing uh, amazing. Thanks for having me on the podcast. I appreciate it. Well, man, I'm just so excited that we're getting a full season of football, non-conference football and and what a meeting this is for Steve Sarkeesian in his debut. He gets yeah. he gets a Raging Cajuns team with, I mean, I've seen 21 of 22 starters back, 20 starters back. You tell us, how many starters are back for this Raging Cajuns team that went 10-1 and one last year? They essentially only lose three guys. That's it. Now, two of those guys are in the NFL playing running back, okay, Elijah Mitchell, uh, he was drafted by the San Francisco 49ers. Trey Regis, his backfield mate, uh, went undrafted, signed by the Raiders. He was just cut yesterday, but they expect him to be signed to the practice squad or picked up by somebody else. So they lose their top two rushers, and they lose one of their uh, pass rushers and Joe Dillon, who opted not to come back. But they bring back everyone else, starting quarterback, offensive line, all of them. The entire defense comes back except for Joe Dillon, a pass rusher who was really great early in his career, but injuries slowed him down, so he wasn't the same caliber of player that he was. Uh, but because of COVID and some injuries last year, a lot of guys got multiple starts. I mean, multiple starts. Like I want to say their secondary has eight guys with at least three starts under their belt. So wow. they, they were turned back, everyone. They also have eight super seniors, which is – the guys that could have graduated or went on to the NFL, they're taking advantage of the extra year of eligibility from the NCAA due to COVID. So, plus they bring in half a dozen transfers from uh, Division One schools, and those guys aren't even starting. They're backups. So, they're loaded. This is the – I've been told that this may be the most talented and deep team in probably a generation or more for the raging Cajuns. There's a reason why Billy Napier decided to come back. Well, let's uh, let's uh, we'll get to all that. Let's start with how the raging Cajuns had to adjust their schedule uh, because of the, because of hurricane Ida, which ended up hitting, you know, right there near new Orleans uh, Lafayette on the Western edge of that. But uh, tell, tell us how they had to adjust their schedule. Thankfully they didn't have to, uh, they, they took a day off Sunday, like everybody else in the state did. We were thankfully blessed that we were spared 
The storm Ida moved towards the east starting Saturday night and into Sunday. So it really hit Homa, Thibodeau, New Orleans, Grand Isle. Uh, there's three feet of sand that covers Grand Isle right now. So wow, that part of the state got hit hardest by Ida. Thankfully here, we barely got any rain. So they didn't have to adjust their schedule, unlike, say, LSU, who had to relocate to Houston, or the Saints, who had to relocate to Dallas, uh, and Tulane, who re relocated to Birmingham. Uh, the Raging Cajuns were able to stay put. So it's going to be a normal game week for them as they prepare to go over to Austin. Okay. So as we... Uh get into um, this Raging Cajuns program. You just mentioned it, Billy Napier, um, from what it sounded like, could have had the Auburn job if he wanted, uh, but stayed at Louisiana. Tell us about that decision and, and why Billy Napier is still coaching the Raging Cajuns. Billy is, is I'd say, built a little bit differently. And, and what I mean by that is, Billy Napier has no desire whatsoever to go take an SEC job where he's going to be mediocre and battling to get into the Independence Bowl. He, he, he just doesn't. He sees a path of success here where he could be ranked in the top 25. He can play for conference championship games and get to bowl games. And last year they did just that, ranked in the top 25, beat a top 25 opponent on the road for the first time in program history, ranked in the college football playoff rankings, had to share the conference championship because the Sunbelt Conference Championship game was scrapped at the last minute uh, with Coastal Carolina due to COVID issue with Coastal that affected their defensive line coach and then their defensive line. So he can get he can maintain a level of success here in Lafayette more so than he can say at South Carolina, who he was also linked to, right? They also apparently have been told behind the scenes, expressed a big interest because here's a guy that grew up in rural Georgia. He played at, um, you know, uh, Furman. So he, he has ties to that part of the country. He, he was an assistant at Clemson. He said no to South Carolina. He said no to Auburn. And you could argue it's a little bit more stable, right? He, he came here, Chip, with, he said, I have some requirements. He said, I want to have the highest paid staff in the Sunbelt Conference. Check. I want there to be something to be done about the facilities. Well, they have a, a huge donation from Our Lady of Lords Medical Center where they're going to rename the stadium, Cajun Field, and they're going to redo the stadium and redo a press box and the facilities. Uh, he has one of the biggest staffs, and he he's allowed to run the program the way he wants. He's a Nick Saban disciple. He has a process. He talks about it all the time. He has all the phases. And he believes he can accomplish everything that he can right here. Plus, Billy's a small-town guy, right? And he grew up in a small town. His dad was a longtime high school football coach. He went to a small school in the FCS. He's been at big-time programs, but Billy, Billy's kind of has that small-town mentality. So here in Lafayette, guess what? He can have a top, top, top 25 ranked team can beat Power Five conference teams, can play for conference championships. He gets paid handsomely, two mil a year, to be here. Two mil goes a long way in Lafayette, Louisiana, let me tell you. And he doesn't have to deal with all the pressure and the constant scrutiny that would come with an Auburn job where you're always compared to Alabama or South Carolina where you're always compared to Clemson. There's no pressure there. So – 
it's a perfect situation. And I think, you know, I'll, I'll tell a story. So when he first took over, obviously he took over from Mark Hudspeth, and they're wildly different personalities, Chip. I mean, Hudspeth was known for taking helicopters to high school football games for recruiting purposes, right? So no, you know, no. big, big personality. Hud had a big personality. Billy, Billy doesn't. He's just not. He doesn't get riled up. He doesn't get fired up. You're not going to catch him say something off the cuff that's going to be a gotcha moment. It's just not him. So some people are like, well, you know this, but he connects with his players. And after he got hired, he had that really short recruiting cycle because he was hired in December. So he only had a couple months to put together that first recruiting cycle. But then came the second one. And I started noticing that guys were committing to come play here. Top prospects here in the state, three-star guys, which is a big deal for the Raging Cajuns. And they weren't taking official visits. I was like, that's weird. So I reach out to the kids themselves. And they start telling me that when they would come for their visit, unofficial or official, that he would talk about the culture that he wants to establish here. And that's why they have the hashtag culture with the UL big, all, uh, all, all caps. And I was like, yeah. And I go, so how much football did you guys talk? And they're like, well, to be honest with you, we didn't talk football at all. And he's talking to these recruits for an hour, hour and a half. And they're not talking, they're not talking football how you're going to fit in our scheme. What are you going to do? We're going to get you to the NFL. You're going to be able to play this game, this game. No, no, no. It's man-to-man, basically, how am I going to help you become, go from a young man to a man? How am I going to get you prepared for life? And for the guys that he's been able to recruit, Chip, that's going over like gangbusters. So once again, the, 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 the approach is a little bit different, right? He's not selling the program. He's not selling you on being on TV, which they'll be, obviously, Saturday on Fox. He's not selling you on prestige, playing time, anything. He's selling you on, I'm Billy Napier. I'm going to help you become a man. And that's the approach. So that kind of gives you a little bit of a peek of why maybe jumping ship to go to Auburn, not necessarily in his wheelhouse. Yeah. I mean, it's fascinating because because that's a different beast. I think he likes being, go ahead. Yeah, no, he was. I know he was the receivers coach at Alabama when yep. Sark was an analyst there in yep. '16. So they they know each other, and and obviously Napier, an offensive minded head coach, and that leads me to Levi Lewis, a fifth year quarterback. I guess he's super one of the senior. super seniors, yep. one of the eight super seniors, and a guy you know, fifty four touchdown passes, fourteen interceptions, averaged six point one yards per carry last season how does levi lewis hurt defenses well it's funny that you asked that great leader all on and off the field this is a guy that was thrown into the fire as a true freshman when they played like they started like four different quarterbacks that was hud smith's last year and he's undersized right he's not a big kid by any stretch of the imagination he makes sound decisions with the football He's not flashy. Even though you look at you look down at the stat sheet and you go, oh, he's going to pretty much break all of Jake DeLome's records this year. That's a big name around here. Yeah. And a guy that played in a Super Bowl and was a pro bowler in the National Football League. It, the thing about Levi, and for this particular matchup against the Longhorns, is are they going to let Levi loose? And that's something that we talk about here in our region. Last year, I'll, get, I'll go back, I think it was two years ago. 
Appalachian State, big game for them. And they had yet to beat App State. That was their ne- nemesis here in the Sunbelt Conference. And it's here at home, Cajun Field. And they called the same play call three straight times near the goal line. And none of it consisted of Levi rolling out on a bootleg or trying to make something all himself. It was a simple handoff to a running back. And us that cover the team are like, why aren't you allowing Levi, who has great legs and great movement and is quick, why aren't you letting him loose? Because you look on the play and they did the handoff and App State knew exactly what gap they were going to hit. And Levi could have easily walked in on the other side with the bootleg. You just could have, just could have taken the keeper. And they finally started doing that last year. I think they were so focused on we're a run-first team and Levi's going to be complimentary with the passing attack. That last season, they switched. And about the last half of the season, they're like, we're going to let Levi make decisions with his feet. If the play breaks down, Levi, you got the green light, go make something happen. And the offense took off in the last half of the season. So that's our big question mark for us who cover the team. Is that going to be what it is? right off the bat. Are they going to let Levi, the fifth-year senior leader of this team, are they going to let him, hey, I'm noticing that Texas is stacking the box or they're they're loading up on one side for our rushing attack. Are you going to let him audible out and call something where he's going to make a play with his feet, a throw on the run or even a bootleg run? That's my big question mark. So if they allow Levi to do that, he can be super dangerous with that because he is fast, fast. He's a fast kid. He can hurt you that way. And the other thing is he's not – he doesn't make dumb mistakes. Levi Lewis is not going to hurt you. He's not going to try to throw off his back leg in triple coverage. He doesn't have that Brett Favre in him, okay? He's not going to be that guy. He's going to make sound decisions. He'll throw the ball away. So he does not hurt you as a quarterback, Chip. But if they allow him to utilize his feet more, he could be a far more dynamic quarterback in hurt opposing defenses. Raymond, how much will Louisiana miss – Elijah Mitchell and and Trey Ragus because um, obviously those guys were unbelievable. They're in the NFL now. You've got Chris Smith, the sophomore, coming in as the running back. Right. How does that how does that impact this offense? I don't think it's going to impact it all that much because since Billy's been there, when he's took over, they run a, a three headed monster is what I call it. So. For the first two seasons under Billy, it was Elijah Mitchell, Trey Regis, and Raymond Calais. That's that's another name that's in the NFL. And Raymond was primarily a kick returner and their third running back. But his last year, he got nearly like 900 yards rushing. So they've always used three backs because it's all about the offensive line up front and being able to basically plug and play. Raymond went off to the NFL, was drafted by Tampa Bay, cut during train camp, signed by the Rams to their active roster last year. So they still had Mitchell and Regis. They simply took said Chris Smith, here you go. You're going to be the kick returner now, and you'll be the third the third running back. He ends up being an All-American at kick returner, third leading rusher. Now it's going to be his. But don't be surprised if he doesn't get the majority of the carries because they're still going to utilize him in special teams because special teams – is a strength of this team. They return both of their kickers, their uh, all-conference punter, and their all-American kick returner. That helps them win that game at Iowa State last year. Special teams scored two touchdowns. So, Amani Bailey is the name that Texas fans probably need to pay attention to. They've been high on him for a long time. He's a, a guy that's essentially a redshirt freshman. 
built like a bowling ball, tough downhill runner. I would expect him to get the majority of the carries, but it's going to be a combination of Bailey Smith and a guy named TJ Wisham. Both he and Bailey played special teams last year as well. Earn your keep, do it the old fashioned way, earn a spot on the team through special teams, then get a chance to shine. They will still run their offense because they have five returning starters on the offensive line. Four of those guys earned all-conference honors last year. And the youngest one is the only one that didn't. And Osiris Torrance is a guy that's NFL prospect. And they were Joe Moore Award semifinalists back-to-back years. That's the strength of the team. They have their offensive line, and they have depth. They have a starter, a three-year starter from another university coming in that's a backup. He was one of those transfers. Their strength is up front. Now, for this matchup, Texas's strength is their defensive line, right? It, when I look at them, I go Longhorns. Their strength of their entire team, to me, appears to be their defensive line, that front seven. So it's going to be strength versus strength here on Saturday in Austin. It's going to be hugely intriguing to see how that works out. I will take a quick break here on the flagship podcast, talking to Raymond Parch, who is the host of RP3 and Company. Uh, Weekday mornings on 103.7 The Game in Lafayette also covers the Raging Cajuns for the Daily Iberian. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Raymond, I look at these receivers. They got big receivers. Um, 6'5", uh, six, John Stevens, 6'5". He's the transfer from TCU. TCU. Yeah. Um, so Texas fans might recognize uh, that name. Six foot three, Jalen uh, Williams and six two, Peter LeBlanc. How who's the guy you got to watch out for in the receiving core? It's funny that you asked. We don't know that it, it, because they had Jamarcus Bradley, who's now in the NFL playing for the Cleveland Browns. He was their go to guy two years ago when he was a senior last year. They had a bunch of talented guys that would step up in games, in moments. But they never had one guy overtake the room, if that makes any sense. You mentioned Jalen Williams. He's a former Major League Baseball prospect, was part of the Boston Red Sox organization, came back, first at LSU, then came to the Raging Cajuns, immensely talented, but he hasn't had that breakout season. Peter LeBlanc is a local product. He's from Catholic High of New Iberia down the road. He stepped up in big moments for this team, but didn't take over as the number one. Last year, they didn't have a true, what I call a true number one guy. That's the guy that they can depend on no matter what. Now, they have a ton of guys. And I don't think it's been worked out in camp, to be perfectly honest with you. They like Jalen Williams a lot. Jamal Bell is a name who is a big play guy who's been injured. He'll be back. Um, He's only a sophomore. Dante Fleming is another guy who's who can make big plays, who's shown potential, but needs to be a little bit more consistent. Errol Rogers Jr. is a local product from Lafayette Christian Academy, multiple state championship player. 
He showed flashes, but they haven't had anyone. They even had an Alabama A&M wide receiver transfer in that was impressive during fall camp. So we don't know. I mean, that that's – I have a bigger question mark about wide receiver than I do running back because you can kind of read the tea leaves, so to speak, and see who they like and who Napier talks about at running back. He keeps mentioning Amani Bailey, Amani Bailey, laser focus, Amani Bailey. And you're like, okay, we got it, coach. We, we, we know who you like here. Bailey Smith and TJ Wisham, maybe a couple of the four freshmen that they signed as well. I have no questions about running back. Who's going to be the guy at wide receiver? And more importantly, are we thinking about this differently? Or are we thinking about this the wrong way? And what I mean by that is, do they just take the approach of we don't have a true number one, but Levi is our veteran uh, quarterback. All these guys had moments last year during a difficult year with COVID. They all had moments. Now we have our traditional spring football season, which we didn't have last year. We had a traditional fall camp. Now they have all these reps with Levi as their quarterback. It's kind of a wait-and-see approach. Maybe you don't have one guy. You just have four or five guys that can contribute any game. Maybe that makes you a little bit more difficult to game plan against because you don't have to worry about locking down one wide receiver. You have multiple guys to worry about. So maybe old-school preconceived notions, well, you got to have a number one wide receiver. Who's, who's the bailout guy? Who's the guy that's going to bail out Levi when the play breaks down? And that's what Jamarcus did two years ago. Maybe they'll have that guy, but right now, September 1st, we have no idea who that is. Well, when you – and they've got, uh, I think, their top seven pass catchers back from last yeah. year, plus uh, a guy like John Stevens from TCU. So, um, all right, let's flip over to the defensive side of the ball, Raymond. Oh, there we go. Uh, I love Pat- defense. I get excited about defense. Sorry. Yeah, I love Pat- it. Patrick Tony's uh, three-three-five defense – um, who are the guys and how, you know, how do they, uh, how do they attack you? Are they a big blitz team? Are they, a, a- he likes to mix it up. He, he, he likes to mix it up. They want to get to the quarterback more than, than they did last year. Um, that's been an emphasis during fall camp. They also will tell you the back end, the secondary, uh, Braylon Trahan, uh, who earned 13 all American honors will tell you that they should have led the nation in interceptions, but they dropped too many passes. That, that's the mentality that they have. And they're so deep. When you look at their depth chart, we'll go on the back end first. They got their two starting corners back, Eric Garrar and Makai Gardner. And Makai Gardner was thrust into a starter's role last year due to COVID because uh, A.J. Washington was put in protocols right before the Georgia State game. He gets an interception in that game that went to overtime on the road. But – they're backed up by guys who have playing experience. They're nickel. They have two starters at nickel. So, and, 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 and Jalen Johnson is the top guy. Percy Butler is known for forcing fumbles. He's one of the safeties that they have. Braylon Trahan was a starter last year as well. He's the other safety. Cameron Solomon's been a safety. You know, I mentioned it before. Uh, the back end, they have eight players who have started at least three games. So they like to get turnovers. They can be aggressive at times, okay? They're always trying to strip the ball. They're always trying to punch it out. They're they're very aggressive on the back end, and rightfully so because they have the talent that they do. Percy Butler is a game changer. If you ask me of all those guys, they're all immensely talented. But Percy Butler, that's going to be number nine. He's a guy to look out for. 
he's always he's one of those 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 kids where he's always around the ball. He's he may not make the tackle, but he's right there, uh, and he's always making plays. The back end, the secondary is their strength. The linebackers they return a ton of uh, experience as well because of injuries. They had guys that had to step up, so now they got guys that have been starters in previous years. Also part of that, Chauncey Manack is a guy at the jack spot for them that is a tackling machine. Uh, that's going to be number seventeen, and Chris Moncrief is a guy that's played a lot. Number six at the middle, Lorenzo, uh, Lorenzo McCaskill is also their starting middle linebacker. Number two, Farad Gardner is one of those super seniors. He could have went to the NFL. He actually kind of explored that, decided to come back and come back for another season as what he calls unfinished business. And uh, he's number seven. Uh, and they have, of course, a, a guy named Jordan Quibido, a great Cajun name, by the way. So he ha- you have to have one of those yeah. on the roster for the Rage of Cajuns, right? Boudreaux um, and Quibido, you got to love those guys. <laughs> so linebackers are stout and uh, defensive line. The one concern on defense, they return all those starters, is, is health across the defensive line. Now they have a guy, Taylor Humphrey, a massive human being, just just massive. He's your your nose tackle. He's a disruptive force. Andre Jones on one of the end spots. Zion Hill's another local product. When he's healthy, Zion Hill, the Cajun's defense goes to another level. But he but he spent his career so far kind of nicked up. He's one of those guys that has to play through injuries. When he's healthy, he's a dominant force. He also wears a small number, number four. So, look, they're stacked at every level. The depth at defensive line and the health is the big question mark there. And, look, Billy Napier glows about Tony, loves him. First year under his belt last season, uh, he replaced Ron Roberts, who, of course, left to go join Dave Aranda's staff at Baylor. And uh, Tony's done a real good job. They love playing for him. They do. Now, they've had some turnover at linebacker. The inside linebackers coach Armstrong left to go be the defensive coordinator at Southern Miss. Uh, so they have a new guy there, but the, the terminology is all the same. That's really the strength of this team. As much as the offensive line is absolutely legit, and they have a chance to be a Joe Moore Award finalist this year, legitimately, the defense is probably the strength of this team. Special teams and defense. So, you know, Texas is taking on a team – yeah, they're from the Sun Belt, and you don't have a number one wide receiver, but they have a stout defense. They have really good special teams. You know, as someone who's covered this sport as long as you haven't been around it, you can win a lot of games in college if you play defense pretty well and you have really good special teams. You can win a lot of ball games with a quarterback that doesn't make mistakes. And if you, you know, it's kind of an old fashioned approach, right? Billy's an offensive minded guy. And you're thinking, well, you know, but it's run first, run first. Don't be, don't make mistakes with the football. Play defense and special teams. It's like old school Nick Saban. I wonder where you got that. Yeah, exactly. Okay, before we ask you for a prediction, Raymond, what is the latest with injuries? You mentioned um, Zion Hill and his, you know, his ability to impact games when he's healthy. What what's their injury? Uh, update status for this game. Everyone's healthy. Everyone's ready to go. They had a very good cap, a, a good camp. Unlike, say, LSU across the basin from us, who had a camp where a lot of guys got nicked up, a lot of soft tissue issues. Cajuns came out clean 
for, you know, it came out clean. So all the starters, all the necessary guys are going to be ready to go come, uh, come Saturday for a huge game, you know, a huge game for them. It's totally different, right? It, you know, they went on the road last year to beat Iowa State, but that was during COVID. That was with no fans, right? Going to be a little bit different situation when they walk into Austin, which I've been to. My brother, uh, who was in the military, was stationed in Fort Hood, and I've been to Texas football games before there. It's going to be a little bit louder than it was last year up in Ames, Iowa. But that said, they feel like this is their year. They've been working for it. They eight super seniors. They're, they're, look, they're they're ranked in the, the preseason AP top 25 poll for the first time in program history. They're winning. They've won double-digit games for the first time ever, back-to-back seasons. They had never had been done before. Mark Hudsmith had got them to nine wins after bowl victories, the ones that haven't been stripped. But, you know, this is something they want a chance to win a conference championship outright. They want to get into a New Year's Day six bowl game. And look, Texas is a formidable opponent, but they got some other kind of landmines, so to speak, on the schedule. App State comes to town. App State, who no one's talking about in the Sun Belt because they didn't win the conference last year and they only won, wait for it, nine games. <laughs> they got a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, the guys from Boone, North Carolina, and we know what they can do. And obviously a conference championship game. The Raging Cajuns also have to play Liberty, fighting Hugh Freezes. That's a sneaky good team as well. So, and Georgia State's another team that is to look out for in the conference. But all that being said, you know, opening week, top 25 teams at Texas. It's an opportunity to make a statement on national television on Fox to the entire nation, including those very uh, curious and peculiar voters that vote on things. You know, a win over Texas could catapult them into the top 15. That makes things getting to a New Year's Day six bowl game a whole lot easier if you can start off the season with a victory on the road against the Longhorns. But as we know, it will not be easy. Well, how do you see this one playing out? Give us your uh, prediction for the game, Raymond. You know, I'd love to be that guy that would uh, change my prediction for different outlets so I could be right at least once. <laughs> but I, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick to it. I think that this is going to be a surprising, not as high-scoring game as a lot of people think. I, I think it's the first game of the season. I think that plays a big role in this. I think both teams, in particular Texas, with the redshirt freshman starting quarterback, Sark at the helm. Anytime that happens, it takes a little while for a team to kind of gel, right, especially on offense. But that defensive line is scary. And Texas has a legit Heisman candidate in the backfield. Yeah, the Robinson kid is a beast. I've seen the tape. Whoa. Like, that guy's going to be playing on Sundays. But I think – I think the Cajuns, they're going to like to run the ball as well. And I think this is going to come down to one of the, a little bit of a slugfest, and it's all going to come down to the line of scrimmage. I think it's strength on strength there between offensive line and defensive line. I think this is a low-scoring game. I like the Cajuns to pull off the mild upset. Like, I, I want to say, like, I'm talking, I'm talking 28-24 type of game. I, I, and I think special teams – I give the edge to the Cajuns because of their special teams. They have the All-American kick returner. They have all-conference punter. They have guys that have committed to playing special teams. They pride themselves on that. I think that could be the turn. No turnovers. 
maybe get a turnover here and there. They they don't need a score touchdown to beat Texas on special teams with a kick return. It would help, but I think they can play sound enough defense to make this a bit of a slug fest and pull out a, a tough a tough hard fought win. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's the other way, if it's 28-24 Texas either. I don't think this is going to be a high-scoring affair. I think it's going to be a big a bit of a dogfight for two programs and two coaches who, by the way, respect each other immensely. There's a lot of respect between these two guys, and I think you're going to see a great game. And I'm, I, I'm just pumped that Texas and the Raging Cajuns get to play on national TV, and a lot of people get to see what I think is going to be a good game. I'm an old-school guy. I love defense. I love running the football. You're going to see a lot of that come Saturday. Yeah, I, I've said I think this is uh, this is all you want from an opener, and yeah. you, you win this one, um, you should feel really good. And if they go and beat Arkansas in week two, you should feel really good because you'd have real momentum. Um, yeah, and I will say this, and a caveat to the prediction, it's also of dire importance for the Cajuns not to let Texas jump out on them early. If – Texas, with their offense and with the redshirt freshman quarterback, if they're able to get a couple of big plays or a big run and they jump out on the Cajuns, say, like 14 to three, that's going to be trouble, right? That, that, that's going to be that's going to be key. But I think the Cajuns are going to be disciplined enough on defense not to let that happen and bog down the Texas's offense, the Longhorns offense. But if Texas jumps out early like that, scores a couple of quick touchdowns in the in the middle of the first quarter to the end of the first quarter. It could be a rough day for the Raging Cajuns. Well, good stuff from Raymond Parch. Again, you can hear him uh, weekday mornings as uh, host of RP3 and Company on 103.7 The Game in Lafayette. And uh, read him covering the Raging Cajuns for the Daily Iberian. Raymond, thanks so much. And thanks to everyone for listening to this latest episode of the flagship podcast for Raymond. I am chip Brown of horns 24 uh, seven until next time, everybody stay safe and keep the faith. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you, I can waste another weekend doing the same old, whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.